This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Comics, movie stars, hit singles, and some toys. It's trivia and dirty jokes. An evening with the boys. Once is never good enough for something so fantastic. So here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Colossal classic. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. We're here once again at Nutmeg Post. Our guest this week is a writer, an actor, and a genuine comedy icon. He really needs no introduction, but it's my show, and I feel like talking. You know him from classic comedies like Foul Play, Caddyshack, National Lampoon's Vacation, Fletch, Funny Farm, Three Amigos, Hot Tub Time Machine, and, of course, from his co-starring role with me in 2009's Jack and the Beanstalk. Forty years ago this month, he made television history as uh, in a breakthrough new late night show called Saturday Night Live. Please welcome a man far too famous and respected to make an appearance on this podcast, our pal Chevy Chase. Oh, Oh, (laughs) hey, thank you, Gil. You know, I've often thought, what is a podcast? (laughs) Now now I know. No, I'm ready. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to do. What I have to do. Okay, we'll just ask you questions. Let me just say this. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert and I spent a little time together recently with some friends, very funny friends, by the way. Can I mention Tom Leopold? Mr. Leopold, for example, he's done, yeah. he's, Tom's done this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, had a blast. It was great to see him, and it's great to see him again. And I'm awfully sorry about the left eye. <laughs> <laughs> 
And yeah, we we did that thing where we were talking to comedy hopefuls. Oh, yeah, Paul like, was with you too, Paul Schaefer. Yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul yeah, Schaefer, Schaefer and Jackie the Joke Man. Yeah, that's right, Jackie, <laughs> whatever his name was. And, but uh, yeah, Jackie the Joke Man. But uh, and uh, and we sat in four chairs in front of people about a hundred or two hundred. Uh, I, I'll say kids because, you know, I'm almost 50. Um, <laughs> anyway, they, who want to be and, you know, stand-up comics or yes. comics are in comedy. And so they wanted to learn a few things. And they learned crap because yeah, none yeah, of us knew what to us, say. <laughs> none of us gave one barely a, intelligent answer. That's right. Yeah. Why should we? I mean, <laughs> We don't want anybody coming up our backs. <laughs> and and um, what I remember too is uh, is oh I had just had my teeth cleaned or something and I wasn't sure if I wanted to drink red wine and you of course pushed me yeah to make sure that, that you drank it yeah but to, it didn't affect your teeth did it? no no. And but it, I but should it did say, affect your breath. Yeah, <laughs> I should say something about Chevy. Yeah, um, that the next day uh, after we did that, I I was sitting at home by myself, and the phone rings, and Chevy calls me just to tell me that he goes, "I really thought you were funny last night. I enjoyed being with you." That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that that was And uh, then I got yeah. the right number for Leopold. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's going to be thrilled that he's being name checked so much. Now now okay, let's ask one question. You felt like you left Saturday Night Live too fast. Well, no, I, I didn't run. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe too early is what you yes, you think yeah, you meant. Yeah, too early. But um um I I felt I didn't feel it immediately because there were so many other things happening. For one thing, there was a girl that I uh, wanted to marry and was in love with who would not leave L.A., which was a good clue to Lauren and others that she was a nut, and that uh, you, know, <laughs> you know. But I didn't take their word for it, and I married her. We, it lasts about eight months, and <laughs> but that was it. Me and SNL, it was over. But I so I was there really the first uh, the first year and, and a month or something, and um, uh, you know in retrospect of course uh, and and back back some time uh, and up to now I felt uh, yeah why why did I do that I mean it, you know I, there was no way to know it having been the first year of Saturday Night Live where it was going or what was going to happen I had a sense. That what we had done that year was um, certainly partly, partly what I wanted to do with it, which was uh, make it political satire. This was a time when Jimmy Carter uh, was running uh, against um, against Mondale, against uh, against uh, President Ford. Right. And I'm uh, a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, liberal, etc. Let me just add that on meeting President Ford and spending time with him and him driving me and my wife around his city. Uh, he was a swell, really good guy, but not a presidential, uh, not as presidential as Jimmy th thought he was. 
So uh, in any case, uh, it, was a, it was a good thing for me because I, I was a writer. I was hired as a head writer uh, that, that first portion. I mean it, it was, went back and forth every couple of weeks to Michael O'Donohue and others who were terrific writers. And, uh, but uh, he put me on the air. And uh, I loved it. I loved this acting. And, uh, you know, I, I felt no qualms about it because earlier on I had done um, uh, underground television in New York City, uh, labeled Channel One. Yeah, we were talking about that. You, yeah. did, it, you did it here down at, in, the, in the village. Yes, down East, at, at, at East uh, 62 Street. East 4th Street. Yeah. You and Ken Shapiro. And yeah, that's right. That's right. And Lane Saracen. Saracen. Yeah, and Victor Langer uh, and Richard Allen. But, I mean, basically it was a Ken Shapiro thing. And uh, Since he's an ass, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that didn't last for me. And when you were playing Ford, you were always falling down yes. on the show. Yes, yes. And one time, what was the weird injury you had one time when you fell down? Oh, well, you know, let's – well <laughs> – just to step back, I mean, <laughs> uh, Ford t- tended to slip here and there. Yeah, he one fell of the, down. One of the sh- great ones yeah. was coming out of the plane. Yeah, with oh, yeah. Betty. Oh yeah, and he, and uh, they were walking down the steps, uh, President and his wife, and he and his head just disappeared from frame. <laughs> so <laughs> that pretty much settled it. And but uh, you know, um, you know, I had to make use of that and uh, make use of the whole concept of him being clumsy. Which I believe he was around, you know, like, I, what What are these wires? You know, what, what, we're, we're going to the Oval Office, sir. These are the wires because you're going to record us. Well, I, oh, you know, <laughs> he, was, he just was a little bit frightened of things. <laughs> so what was the question? Oh, what was the injury? Oh, the injury from oh, the ball. The injury that yeah. happened to me was when Danny Aykroyd and I, and Danny was playing a beautiful Jimmy Carter uh, with that smile where he said, I'm going to smile at each and every one of you in the country. You know, <laughs> just, <laughs> just as wonderful. The lust in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something. Right. And um, uh, we were having a debate. One, you know, the typical debates that we're coming up on as we speak now. Uh, and um, uh, I decided I should fall forward with my lectern. Or podium. People say a podium for the wrong thing. The podium is what the lectern stands on. I was at the lectern and it was just about, you know, chest high or so or maybe a little bit lower. And I also believe I had a a needle in my arm because of the flu shot or something. We were – the Asian flu, something that had come up. But it just made Ford look at the swine flu. Yeah. Yeah. And – God, we lost a lot of swine that year. <laughs> you used to do swine flu bits on the show. That's why I remember. In any case, I fell forward, and um, the, the the prop guy um, is that the right word? Uh, yeah, that's good enough. Uh, yeah. But his name was Willie Day, and he was about eighty-eight, and he had forgotten to take out a middle portion of that uh, lectern. So that when I did fall, I couldn't go into the back of it. I went right into, whoops, a board. Uh, and it hit me right in the uh, tonsils. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> the, the ones below so, my belt. So you you were. Well, I was in the hospital. for Yeah, a week. you were whacking the balls with yeah, this. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I was peeing blood. Oh God. Yeah. It was a great sketch. The next sketch, <laughs> no, great sketch. No, but I, I, yeah, I got to that uh, where I had obviously done some damage and uh, went away after a week. That but. that must have been uh, indescribably painful. Uh, you don't think about it. You know, I mean, it's like when you're on the air there, and it's a lot of people and this and that. You don't think of, it wasn't that bad. I that I remember. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it it wasn't great, <laughs> and and I was used to taking falls, and I did a lot of uh, sports and soccer and all that. What's interesting so, about those sketches too is that you never made up. I mean, Saturday Night Live would later become famous for the makeup and make, Jimmy uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd would make himself up as Jimmy Carter, but you just no, played, no, actually, you just played Ford pretty straight. Thank you. Uh, that's true, but let me give Danny a, a heads up here because he uh, he didn't do anything. He just had that smile, and he had just the right look, and and he had the right voice. He was just he was the resident genius on that show, and uh, Dan, Danny had him down. Everybody knew who he was, and it was very good. Now, can you tell us that famous fight between you and Bill Murray? Sure. Yeah. Um, you go right for the tabloid yeah, stuff, yes. do you? You don't mess around. Yes. Well. Now you have a child. It's funny that it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny that it's famous or infamous or anything because there really wasn't anything. It was yeah. just uh, that Billy uh, came back to host it a couple of years later, I think, and Billy had taken my place. And uh, Billy likes to fight clearly and and beat up people, particularly smaller people than him. I could name them, but I won't because they're they're famous. Uh, but. Um, and he wanted to pick a fight with me, and I told him I'd eat him. And but <laughs> we didn't actually get into a fisticuffs. Uh, it was getting close, but John Belushi, who was sharing a a, a dressing room with Bill, uh, who had sort of set up me up for this because John was very uh, unnerved that I was the star of the show before him, because we had done a show earlier uh, off Broadway. Lemmings. Uh, yeah, the Lemmings show. And John was clearly the star. We had gotten him from Chicago. Uh, so John had this thing, and uh, it wasn't a big deal, but it was sort of a middle finger at me all the time kind of a thing. And I never thought much about it, but obviously he shared some thoughts with Bill, and Bill came out of there swinging. And uh, John finally got between the door frame, Bill and me. Uh so, like, Bill rushed me, and John got to the doorframe. I was out in the hallway, my hands up, ready to box. And uh, ultimately, um, Brian Doyle Murray, his brother, came and held my arms back while John— uh, this was after, I think, both of us hit John in the head. <laughs> I don't remember but it well. John, John Belushi was the instigator. I, I think he was the initiator of it, and yeah. I don't know— I know that Bill was angry because he thought I'd come in to uh, host the show and was going to take over uh, a Weekend Update from the girl who had been doing it longer yeah. than me, Jane Curtin. And uh, that was – you know, he's like one of these, quote, loyal people. 
who really just wants to fight. Yeah. But uh, in any case, uh, I wasn't going to. I mean, it didn't. That wasn't. Uh, and it, it was just something that yeah. Lauren and I discussed because when I came back, it's the first time I was hosting. I, I said, I don't know what people are going to expect from me. All I know is we can update and falling, you know, basically. And um, uh, it must have come down to that there you know in retrospect I, I can't imagine what bill would say about it at this point and i don't have much to say except that that's my memory of it you know well fuck it i'm glad belushi's dead then <laughs> and by the way i miss john and i wish bill were dead <laughs> there's your scoop gilbert because yeah. <laughs> he just you know He's gotten too good. Gil, we talked about the Louise Lasser story with uh, Lorraine. You want to ask oh, yes. about that one? Oh, we, were, yeah. we were curious. Louise Lasser was hosting, yeah. and she would not come out of her dressing room. I can't remember why. Yeah. But um, Lauren, I, I believe Lauren decided that we should try to coax her out by using me. Uh, by then, I had been doing the land shark that I had enjoyed inventing. Where you know you knock and you go, and Mrs. Carlin, you know, <laughs> one of my favorites, Doctor Calls, uh, whatever. In, in any case, because <laughs> there's a land shark. Like, yeah. <laughs> you think Jaws was bad? In that fact, was... the first sketch I wrote was called Jaws Two, uh, that, uh, that had anything to do with the land shark before the movie Jaws Two, and. Uh, it was about the most dangerous shark of all. With Belushi and, doing his great Richard Dreyfus, The land shark, yes. He did a great and, Richard going... Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know. and describe what those bits were. The land well, basically shark they big, were... Uh, that the shark, uh, the way I wrote it and the way I felt, was that the, the land shark wasn't that bright. <laughs> but on the other hand, somehow the people in the apartments that I, he went to uh, were just a little less bright. So, <laughs> so, you know, it would open with me, you know, you hear a knock on a door and it would, might be Jane Curtin's uh, reading or something. Uh, yes. And I'd say, uh, uh, Mrs. Son? <laughs> Who? And then I'd give a good pause. Then I'd go, mm, Dr. Carl? <laughs> just completely different name. Just any anything together. And somehow... And, and she say, "I don't, what? Uh, telegram." <laughs> and uh, she, that would somehow coax the stupid person to go to the door. And we had a great shark costume that I put over my head, and I enjoyed it every time I did it. <laughs> and she'd she'd go to the door, open it, and I'd reach in and just grab her and pull her out. <laughs> and so we did it a few times. And uh, I, I it was my favorite character. Because you could always, you know, Dr. Ha. <laughs> That's the fact that you couldn't tell by <laughs> then Andy that this was too. the smartest guy. So then Louise Lasser was there. And um, at the time, it was a long time ago, but uh, this was uh, uh, the 70s and cocaine was pretty, you know, well known. And so was pot and all that stuff. And. Uh, you know, I don't know whether she used it or didn't use it. It wasn't the issue so much as uh, that he wanted to get her out of her room because she wouldn't come out. She was too frightened to do the show or something. So I d did the shark voice and I just went, uh, Mrs. La Land? 
Miss Lazarus? 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 Yes. I am. Candy Graham. And there'd be nothing. She said, what do you mean Candy Graham? And I went, half a gram? And somehow that got her out, I think. I, I haven't and seen the show. But. Wasn't there a plan that if she didn't come out, that all of her parts would be played by you and pigtails? Oh, that's yes. Right. Well, yes, and by everybody else. Yes. Well, it wasn't just me, but I believe that's true. I think we were all going to – this is Lauren, of course. He'd yeah. come up with – he'd had just have him ready just in case she yeah. didn't come out. <laughs> See, they all have the same – hair that she had you know uh this happened with uh early uh like on our second or third show uh with buck henry um oh where you got clipped by the sword he got he got yeah. he got hurt it wasn't by a sword it was by going out the window uh oh, okay. but he cut his head right and a band-aid had to be put over it before the next sketch so lauren immediately thought the whole cast should have the same Band-Aid. And we did the whole – all of us did the, the rest of the show with Band-Aids the same place he had one. So nobody was really sure why or who. And you worked with and were friends with Pat McCormick. Oh, yeah. yes. Now, Long before. When you, I met my wife. We, yes. Yeah. We've had a lot of Pat are, McCormick stories on yeah. the show. Oh, my God. Are what a funny guy. Are you familiar with the helicopter story? I don't know. Help, help me. Okay. Uh, that all of – he and all of his cronies, all the writers and people would get together and try to outdo each other at their once-a-year dinner. And uh, everyone would try to be a more expensive restaurant oh. and a more uh, fancy – is this bringing back anything? Uh, well, I can see it in my head. Okay. But, uh... So one day – so it was Pat McCormick's turn. And they were all wondering, you know, how he'd outdo the – and they were all driven uh, like by a, a bus to like a heliport. And uh, they were all given like a paper bag with a tuna fish sandwich and an apple. And they were going, you know, what the fuck is this, you know? Yeah. They, and And then one by one – they were put on a helicopter with a hooker. And, <laughs> well, this is a and, lie. And the, really? helico the helicopter yeah. would circle their house while their wives were at home. <laughs> circle the house while the hooker, while the hooker blew them. <laughs> and, well, we don't know if they, she blew them. Yeah. Well, them. well that, that was the essential concept. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She would blow them. I don't see why they turned her down. No, but it's very difficult to be blown in a helicopter. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but I think one of the writers, he said the next day he got home and his wife said, so how was your evening? And he goes, oh, all right. Uh, how was yours? And she goes, it was okay, but a helicopter kept circling the house. <laughs> I don't know this. But you know who who I asked? I went up. I was doing like a commercial with Tim Conway. And I went up to him and I said, uh, Tim, I heard a story about Pat M and without even saying McCormick, yeah. uh, Tim Conway looks up straight face and goes, helicopter? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah. 
Well, there were only, you know, if you think about it, uh, the, the two funniest guys around at that time were, were Tim Conway and Pat McCormick and, and um, uh, Harvey Corman from Carol's show. Yes. Carol Burnett. Uh, who are well known, and uh, and Tim was still funnier than hell because oh, even yeah. the first special I did, I had Tim on. He was just too funny to not have. But um, yeah, I, I I I believe he would know if anybody would have, would have known. Tim would have known. Yeah, yeah. You, you worked with Pat on Under the Rainbow. Uh, yes, that's yeah. right. That's where I met Janie. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, your, and your wife was here. We're yes. both big fans of Billy Barty here. <laughs> well, these are the kind of things that come you know, up on really, the show, Jeff. Even a mouse is a big fan. <laughs> well, oh, I guess I'm saying is that Billy was a midget. Uh, <laughs> you know, Gilbert once lost a part to Billy Barty. Yes, I. There's some I, good trivia. How's that? Part? I, you were I, just too big. <laughs> I, I auditioned. I auditioned for one of the, uh, shall we say, lesser Mel Brooks films called Life Stinks. Yeah. And I auditioned and lost out to Billy Barty. Well, that's Mel's fault. <laughs> and and Mel, Mel screwed up a lot, you know? <laughs> Mel is one of the funniest men who ever lived. Yeah. Is he still alive? I... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, he really is. I mean, there's no getting oh, yeah. around it. But, uh, but uh, you know, as a director or, you know, the guy who would produce or something, I think he really only really should live as Mel and just forget the rest of that stuff. You know, just be Mel Brooks. Uh, it's just too funny. When you listen to the 2,000-year-old man uh, with the eminent and great Carl Reiner as the, uh, as the interviewer, uh, that's one of the great, great, uh, funny, funny albums Still of all time. Still holds up beautifully. Yeah, yeah. And you were uh, sued by a Hollywood legend. Back to the <laughs> yeah. tabloid. Yes. Carrie Green. Yes, I have to. <laughs> Carrie. Well, here's what happened. <laughs> um, I was um, pretty hot from you know SNL, and I was on the, that uh, late night show by with Tom Snyder as the host. Oh, the Tomorrow yes. Show. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's even better than knowing who Tom Snyder is. But. That's right. <laughs> We assume our listeners know yeah, all these well, people. Well, he was, yeah, he was the host of that show, and a lot of people went on it, you know, because it was a well-known show after Carson. And, um, you know, I had already been touted as the next Johnny Carson, the next this, the next that, and at one point uh, he just said, uh, you know, a lot of people think you're the next Cary Grant. And I, it was took me a little bit by surprise, and I just said, "Well, no, come on, there's a, nobody is ever going to be the next Cary Grant." And I understand he was a homo. <laughs> well, <laughs> Cary heard this, of course. Somebody played it for him, and uh, there, I'd actually heard that he might be a well, gay with Randolph or not Scott, gay. But, he lived yeah. with famously lived with Randolph Scott, and there well, were rumors. But so did I. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right, of course. I, I, only because of the guns. Uh, but in any case, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I don't know whether he did. I, I, mean, I suppose this, it is true, but I didn't even know it then. All I knew was there were rumors to that effect. Whatever it was, it was just the wrong thing to say if the guy had happened to be litigious. It turned out that Kerry <laughs> was the most litigious actor in Hollywood. And uh, he, he sued me for a hundred grand. And, um, you know, for for I don't know. 
whatever. But uh, so at once we were in uh, a deposition for Kerry with my lawyer doing the talking and me sitting there and I'm just looking at him thinking, God, what is the most handsome thing I've ever seen? <laughs> he was just – he was one – he was just – you know, and just to be around Cary Grant was a big thing. But uh, there I was and um, my attorney said, um, Mr. Grant, how did you feel when uh, uh, when you heard Mr. Chase make that remark? And he said, I felt I wanted to sue. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about litigious. But that was so funny. I fell off the couch practically. And you know what? Ultimately, because I laughed at him and sort of with him, uh, you know, he, he got uh, a tenth. He got 10 grand. You know, he accepted 10 grand, which I didn't have 100 grand. I mean, what the hell was I going to do? And I gave him 10 grand. And didn't you say, too, when they were trying to get you to back off and not say it, and you said, well, uh, she's a girl, isn't she? Who? When? Yeah, I think you said about it. About uh, Carrie? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I might have. But do you... No, I do. I think Snyder said, well, we'll edit that. Yeah. I said, oh, don't be silly. He'll he'll laugh. But I, I don't remember saying she's a girl. Do you remember those photos that the studio sent out to show what he men, Carrie Grant and Randolph Scott, were... They sent out these photos where always, they're both in swim yeah. trunks. Well, by the lounge, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, guess, I guess in retrospect I can envision it. But yeah, and, and they would, they sent out these shots where they're both in swim trunks and, and they're, they're wrestling and massaging each other's shoulders. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to show these nice. are men. Yeah. <laughs> well, they hold a medicine ball. And they have oh, a, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. And they each have a baby and they're suckling them. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, It didn't occur to me, any of that. I'm, I was glad it was over when it was. And by the way, once it was over and he got his 10 grand, um, I ended up uh, going to the 84 Olympics uh, and Kerry was there. And uh, he saw me and he said, Jimmy, come up and sit with us. You know, so wow. I, I think, you know, that once he got paid off, Everything was fine with friends. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it really bothered him at all. <laughs> and, and even though Johnny was tweaked by those comparisons, you guys became friends too later. You and, you and Johnny, oh, you and Johnny absolutely. Carson. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, good friends. Yeah. Good friends. Uh, Carson, yeah. But what was the – it was a, it was a funny insult. The one insult Carson said about you. Oh. I think he was talking about the uh, whole cast. I think he said – no, uh, I think this was when I was being written about in one of the magazines and um, somebody said they're grooming him to be Johnny Carson. Uh, New York magazine. New York, yeah. And uh, which I'd never heard of anybody grooming me to be anything. But it was a you know, New York magazine article by uh, this guy who's still on the air now uh, doing other – Carl Bernstein, I believe, at the time. And anyway – um, it, it said that I was being groomed to be to take over Johnny. Anyway, somehow it got to Johnny. Whatever he did, make the remark that I couldn't. Uh, uh, um, it's funny that I can't remember I, the word. I, I remember <laughs> it. I don't know if you. Phil uh, knows it, right? Yeah, he what? can't improvise himself. He wouldn't be able to improvise oh, himself wait. out of a paper bag or something. No, like that? no. Can I tell yeah, you? Yeah. And what then you'll it? tell it uh, that 
he couldn't ad-lib a fart in a beanie contest. He did? Yeah. <laughs> What's the paper bag thing then? I don't know. Yeah, he couldn't ad-lib a fart in a, in a, in a beanie contest. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Oh. Here's another audition I had that I didn't get. I I auditioned at, um, for the part that Sam Kinison wasn't coming back for in Caddyshack 2. And I didn't get that. Wait. Wait a minute. Sam Kinison's in Caddyshack 2? No, no. No. He was replaced by... It was um, not Caddyshack 2. Uh, Oh, wait. It it was uh, The Three Amigos. Back to school. The Three Amigos. No, 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 no. Well, he was supposed to... Well, he was in The Three Amigos, and we... We had a scene with it, but it was cut. Well, I, I think what they had, I think they had Sam Kinison written in for a part in Caddyshack 2. It may well have been. I don't, yeah. yeah. And when Rodney refused to do it, yeah. oh. I, then he didn't want to do it either. Yeah. Oh. And they had me audition for that There's part. a couple of real actors, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rodney! And, I got things to tell you about Rodney, but yeah. And and they replaced him with with the very odd Randy Quaid. <laughs> so what Boy, recollection? How dare you call Randy <laughs> very odd? <laughs> I love him so much, Randy. I don't know what the. Uh, I'll tell you what's odd: the wife. That's what's odd. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, Randy's kind of going through a bad period right now with a beard down well, to his I cock. loved how he he went into hiding yeah. in Canada, yeah. oh, and the first thing he did was hold a press conference in Canada to say, I'm hiding out in Canada. Yeah. He called me. He wanted money. He wanted to borrow some money. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. But it was a lot of money. <laughs> And then, <laughs> apparently, every so often he would say, I know Chevy Chase. Like, like that's going to help him. And he, <laughs> but you know what? This is a delightful, delightful, funny, funny actor who seems to have taken, in, taken drugs or something. I don't know what's happened to him. He never was a druggie of any kind or a drinker. So, but he seems like it now, doesn't he? I mean, it's a little weird he, when you do Rupert Murdoch getting fucked in the ass uh, <laughs> uh, by Randy Quaid with a beard again down to his cock. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, whatever has happened there, uh, I can't. I, I can't answer for. I don't know, but I still have another idea for uh, another vacation movie, uh, which is called Swiss Family Griswold. Uh, and which uh, we meet Randy uh, after thinking our the ship we're on on a cruise uh, is on fire. We jump ship, but anyway, we're you know we have to swim to an island. Me and Beverly and maybe a couple of kids. Doesn't matter really any of the kids because they're all different. <laughs> they're all fifty. <laughs> yeah. So long as they're younger than me, everything's okay. And but uh, you know, and, and and we find Randy. He's been left on the island. Uh, we we run into him. He was left there from an old Survivor, uh, you know, <laughs> that show on television. <laughs> uh, that's funny. And uh, yeah, and it goes on from there. But uh, I mean, Randy is a, a gem, and I hope to heck he pulls himself out of all of this. Uh, 
It's not going to help a lot by uh, getting Rupert angry. But on the other hand, I think Rupert just decided to retire or resign. Or I think he passed, uh, passed, or he passed away. Or he passed away. He's dead. No, no. <laughs> Let's be honest. He's, He's dead. dead. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We've talked a lot about Randy Quaid's good, great performances the last E10. Oh, we yes. We always talk about what great, what great uh, work he did the, in his career. The apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, yeah, the, the last riders, detail. So much stuff. Oh, he – and most – Well, the last detail, I agree. Yeah. The apprenticeship of, of Duddy Kravitz – wasn't that with um, uh, 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 Richard Dreyfuss? With Richard, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, he was good, yeah. And um, I worked with Randy Quaid in another classic film – I did like one scene with him in a horrible uh I never even saw the thing I just read the reviews a horrible Rodney Dangerfield film called Back by Midnight Well I forgot Yeah no I, <laughs> I was, don't remember I <laughs> never saw it released to any theaters Look since we're talking about yeah. Randy Quaid okay. he deserves our Love and respect. He deserves everybody's, and he should be allowed to come back into this country. Yes. Yeah. Pay off whatever he owes them, as if he had any money, <laughs> and, and and work again because he's you know you can't even make uh, a good vacation movie for, of, of 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 among many others that he's been in, but uh, without Randy, I mean, people love him. By the way, it behooves the studios to say. Look what he's been through. Look how much he's been on television doing this and that and the other. This is a guy, he's going to bring people to a theater much more now than he ever did. So I'd like to see that happen. Great comic actor. So long as I have, like, bodyguards. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, can we talk about some movies you've turned down? Absolutely. <laughs> this, this is like... Because it's the worst. Oh, God. It's an impressive down. list. All the movies that made, you know, like, oh, $100 million, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Turn them down for uh, what reason? I can't remember. Well, let's see. What okay. <laughs> Forrest Gump. Right. I got the book from uh, Mark Canton at Warner's. Read it. Uh and maybe part of the actual uh, first script. And by the way, you know, scripts with movie actors, uh, movie stars, they change according yeah. to yeah. that. You know, that's the way it is. So I don't remember if the script was that good or that bad. All I know is I turned it down. That that made, what, 500 million? Yes. <laughs> Swell. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, American Beauty. That's true. Yeah. But where did that ever go? <laughs> 
I don't remember who was in it even. Oh, uh, Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. Right. Now, I also heard American <laughs> Gigolo. Is that oh, that's correct? The, I thought that's the one. I don't know where that one went. Yeah. 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 American Gigolo. Okay. The, uh, who, now, what, was that Richard? Richard Gere, yeah. Richard Gere, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I turned and it out. The voice of Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. I don't remember that. Okay. Uh, it might be, but I don't remember. Okay, that. here. Ghostbusters? Yeah. <laughs> Real smart. I had a choice of... <laughs> I had a choice of, I think it was Ghostbusters or meeting Goldie and yeah. doing foul play. If the, if it was the same. Oh, that period. was Animal yeah. House. And, oh, it was and Animal play. House. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. right. When you yeah, turn down yeah. Animal House. Yeah. yeah. So I decided, you know what, well, I've got to meet Goldie and, and do a movie with her, which made, you know, $70 million. And that one made uh, enough to buy Hungary. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. just, and just to clarify for the listeners, you were the part of, the part of Otter, Tim Mathis was part That's right. was written for you. Right, right. Yeah. And he later was, in fact, uh, the bad guy in Fletch. Right. I heard you say, why would I want to work with Belushi again when I could work with Goldie Hawn when you that, turned down? That <laughs> might, have, that might yeah. have been what I said, yeah. Yeah. And who wouldn't say that? What like, else do you have in your scrawls? Yes. <laughs> Those are the notes, Jimmy. That's yeah. it? That's it. <laughs> I, I can answer anything without it being asked. Well, yes. you're starting to talk about Rodney. You said you had some Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Rodney, Rodney stuff, I mean, so. I, I don't know. Uh, Rodney's gone, right? Yes. <laughs> I spoke to Rodney, actually. He called me from the hospital two days before he died. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah he said, I, I, uh, I had two operations, you know, one in my head and yeah. one in my I don't know what. But he, we did talk, uh, and, and he died. Um, but um, I just remember that, uh, so I can. it's fair to do this, I guess, since it's your show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to do with uh, <laughs> that. Um, uh, as we shot the very first scene I did in Caddyshack, and I had just come off another movie, so I was about two weeks into the. It was about two weeks into the Caddyshack shooting. The other movie, by the way, was uh, with a dog. What's this? What was that dog? Oh, oh, Heavenly Dog. Oh, Heavenly Dog. Yeah, that is a good move. Anyway, I came out of that, and I, I got there, and the first scene that I shot with him was actually the last scene in the movie. Uh, on the uh, 18th tee. And then uh, Rodney and I were driving in uh, my uh, uh, golf cart back to uh, wardrobe or whatever at the end of the day. And he said, so where's all the little boys? Where's the blowjobs? <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, I don't know. I don't know what to think. <laughs> I don't know. I'll never know. Wow. <laughs> I didn't answer it. I kind of laughed and thought, wait a minute. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, that that was right. Then, oh, then there was um, <laughs> another time. And we were all at this one place. Uh, it was just a, basically a golf course with uh, that was a, also a motel. Uh, that's where we shot it. And uh, actually, Harold Ramis, who was directing it, had put a had a roof put over the motel that made it look like it was over the um, house there to make it look like it was a big uh, clubhouse. Anyway, so, uh, and Ted Knight, who was brilliant in that and is really, to me, the, the great one. Uh, but uh, Rodney, uh, where is it? oh, yeah, it was late at night, and you can imagine that not much would go on with uh, Bill Murray and me and uh, Brian Doyle Murray and others, <laughs> you know, at night. 
<laughs> anyway, I happened to be actually in bed uh, when they knocked on my door. And it was, uh, hey, Chevy. That's Brian. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and Bill. Uh, um, you have any Coke? <laughs> so, no. Right from my bed. No, I don't. <laughs> you have any pot? <laughs> no. Nope. Sleeping. But try Rodney. He's next door. And uh, so they went next door and knocked on his door. Hey, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Can we come in? We're uh, we're looking for some. Uh, you have any coke? No, I don't. <laughs> you have any pot? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> sure. See that bag in front of you? And there was a big paper bag that was fairly heavy. Uh, not a big one. I mean, it was a, you know big enough to carry, let's say, uh, a baby's head. Anyway, but about that big. And <laughs> he said, "Take, take that. It's all my pot. Take it. Enjoy." So they took it and they left. And it turned out that that bag contained nothing but seeds. It was just all pot seeds. There wasn't even a smidgen. Of, of actual smokable pot in it. It was just filled with pot seeds as if he'd been waiting for, for somebody to ask him. He wasn't going to give his away, that's for sure. Oh, my. This strange man. And you you worked with another legend in one of the in the Las Vegas uh, vacation movie. Sid. Uh, Sid, yes. Sid, Sid Caesar. Caesar. Yeah. Sid, um, I had to visit with Sid in his room at the Steve Wynn's Mirage Hotel, is it? I think that's where we were shooting, the Mirage Hotel. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a meeting with him. I think he was a little nervous about dying, uh, actually, in the film. Oh, yeah. You know, as, as, as that playing a guy who died. Yeah. He tried to explain to me that Jews don't die in movies because <laughs> it can come true, you know. <laughs> For some reason, Sid really believed that. I mean, when you think of all the incredible things that Sid Caesar has done in your life, you, you wonder what happened to him, that, that, that they would think something so idiotic. He, but He believed Jews didn't die? He believed that all Jews knew this. <laughs> I, 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 not having been a Jew yet, uh, didn't, I didn't realize, but I took his word. You know, so he said, you know, I mean, I'm supposed to have a heart attack and the thing and then die. I said, OK, OK, OK. Um, but you've got to have the heart attack. You got to. We have to put you in a, uh, a box, uh, you know, and drag you out. He said, "Well, you know, Jews don't. We don't. Uh, we don't die. We didn't keep your eyes open. You know, whatever. Or, you know." And I said, "Well, okay, just well, we don't die." And so we got to that <laughs> that shot in the movie, and he had his heart attack, which he did quite well, as I remember. I mean, it's, it is his Caesar, and. Uh, He's put in a box. <laughs> I can't even remember the sand. I haven't seen it since we shot it. But in any case, as he as he uh, as he died, he was actually sitting in a chair next to me, and he died, and his head went down, his eyes closed, and before the camera left him, he he opened his eyes and looked around a little bit, <laughs> just to let everybody know he didn't really die. Right? 
<laughs> you couldn't get away from it. Even as he was dragged out, I believe, in the movie, you, in the box, he'd opened his one eye or something. Just right. keep making sure that he didn't die. Since we're talking about Sid, what about you worked with Imogene? Too in uh, the first oh, Imogene, vacation yes. movie. She's a lovely, uh, lovely lady. And by then, it was not the same one who had worked with Sid. Sure, but I mean, you could see why they had. I mean, she—you could do anything to her. She was the Gilda of her time, and and just as John was able to just slap Gilda in the face, <laughs> Gilda would take it as, "Oh, okay, I understand." You know, it's just. Any, well, anything for comedy. Imogene, yeah. Imogene would take anything from Sid or, or you know, whatever. So she was the perfect uh, Aunt Edna uh, in that movie. And uh, I, I think she overplayed it a little with all that. But that was the way she was and whatever she did that was fine with me. And, uh, yeah. Can we ask you about Eddie Bracken in that movie too? Eddie. Another, another great screen legend. Eddie Bracken was a great screen legend. And, and the very first – ending of the movie uh, Vacation, the first vacation where we all going to Wally World and we dance closed. Uh, Harold Ramis is directing it. We are uh, forced to sort of drive to because I have a whole family, you know, filled and we drove, we shot the thing driving cross country from Chicago to, so the thing was let's go over to Roy Wally from Wally World his house because I'm just that angry, you know. And uh, we went over and uh, there was Eddie back and, and on his porch. And we, uh, I think we shot it so that we, we forced him to dance for us. <laughs> Do a tap dance or something idiotic. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, the best of my recollection, Harold and I looked at that back and thought, well, it really just isn't going to work. We're going to we're going to have to go to Wally World, you know. And get we got John Candy and we went through the whole thing, and then Eddie Bracken came at the end. Uh, but he was a marvelous man. And uh, one of the things that uh, had happened was that by the uh, la- it was the last couple of days of shooting, there was that huge uh, roller coaster uh, at. Uh, wasn't Wally World. It was um, for the Four Seasons. What the fuck was it? They, you know, Six Flags. Six Flags. Thank you. The Four Seasons. Six Flags. That'd be it. I'll have the uh, Marlin. No, <laughs> Six Flags. And uh, so we're there, and um, there we're on this roller coaster. Uh, me and uh, John Candy next to me, which scared the shit out of me because we all, that we were in the first car. And then in front of that was a camera weighing as much as John uh, shooting us. And I'm thinking, well, I'm dead. I mean, this is <laughs> how, how is it ever going to get up? The... But it worked and you know, it was OK. And uh, then uh, we shot it. We had to shoot it with John behind me and this and that. And Eddie's turn, because he was Roy Wally, had to get on that thing with me, sitting with me. And as we as we were going up that slow climb to the first, you know, real fall, uh, I, I explained to him that I, I want to make sure you understand that it looks like it's a 90-degree drop, and it can be frightening, and I just don't want, I want you to understand that. I don't want you, anything to Oh, are you kidding? I've, I've done so many – I mean, it's just it's nothing to me. I'm gonna, And we <laughs> – okay, just so you know, because, you know, I don't want to – 
why why should we do it three or four times until you get used to it? I mean, just, you know, this is, nah. Anyway, <laughs> we get up there as we get to the top and now look down and start the, the plummet. He goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can see it in the wide shot. I don't think we did it again, but you can see it in the wide shot. When you wanted the close-up, you can see it in a wide shot of us. I don't know, but you can just see it. Oh, fuck! Whatever. Oh, my goodness. Oh. He's so great in those Sturgis movies, too. Huh? He's so great in those uh, Eddie Bracken in those Preston Sturgis movies. He did such great stuff. Yeah, sure he is. Yeah. Who's Preston Sturgis? <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, one, Sergeant Preston Sturgis. One, one more. I got to ask you about his Gilbert's favorite uh, that you were in foul play with Burgess Meredith. Burgess. Gilbert loves oh. loves Burgess Meredith. You know what? I do too. And uh, I don't know anybody who didn't. He's a close friend of my closest friend um, because of his love of wines, different French wines, et cetera, et cetera. But he's just a sweet man and uh, and good. And, you know, he's one of the, the forgotten, in a sense, you know. It's like, it's not an easy name to, to remember. I mean, Meredith, you can remember. Unfortunately, you got Vieira at the end of it. But, you know, but Bur Burgess? You know, Burgess, Bumblebee, Burgess, Bambo. Bumble, you know, you don't, you don't. So he's he's kind of forgotten. But if you look back. And think of him in uh, wasn't he in Batman or one of those? Yeah, and my, my one of my favorite films of Mice and Men. Yes, where I yeah. with him and Lon he was, Chaney he Jr. Was, he was uh, George. Yeah, and Lenny. But he never he never gave a quote about Lon Chaney Jr. to Ron Chaney, so I've lost some of my love for Burgess. <laughs> well, he was uh, yeah, he was old. Yeah, at the time. Well, I I I hope he died painfully then. Oh, well, that's <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. It's like Michael O'Donnell. Now, may, may you all Frank, <laughs> die, Frank, die screaming from <laughs> painful rectal cancer. <laughs> and Frank and I were discussing how you worked with the Munchkins. Well, that's where I met my wife. <laughs> who, who was shacked up with the Munchkins, all of them. No, they were, it was called Under the Rainbow, and therefore it, it was not a good movie, but uh, it, it required 150 uh, little people, as they like to be called, uh, and, and insist on. And they are. And we had, I mean, about 100-something of them. And they were living in a hotel right next to the stage where we shot. the, theater, the Out there they call them stages. And um, apparently they were just dead drunk every night, and, you know, snorting coke. And, the whole, you know, that's, they don't have long to live. Their livers are getting as big as they are. So, you know. This is the way. This is the way they are. But they were. They were. They were funny. But when when I had to be in a whole in this hotel lobby with them, with Eve Arden, which is enough already. Um, you know, they would fart around me. They uh, they'd spit. Uh, they'd goose me. A lot of them really? goosed me. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Jeffy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, they were just a motley uh, uh, group of people. There's only one of them still living. <laughs> I don't know who Jerry is. Marin, he's the last surviving. I don't uh, think he's alive anymore. Oh, I think he is. In the original Wizard of Oz, 
according to legend. Well, we had we had a few of the original yeah. Munchkins, yeah, yeah. In the original Wizard of Oz, according to Hollywood legend, at least you could see in the background that one of the Munchkins hung himself. In the tree. Oh, that's, that's a lesson. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's a Hollywood myth. That, yeah, but and and they. <laughs> that's outrageous. Oh God! And they say in one scene you could see his little body hanging from a noose from the tree. <laughs> this isn't right. Yeah, they do carry weapons. You better be careful. Since you mentioned Michael O'Donoghue, can you just tell us a little something uh, about? We've talked about him a little bit on the show. He was the most Wybell and and, and Lorraine. Anal retentive Irish Catholic I've ever known. I loved him deeply, and we worked together. And we actually went and saw the opening of Star Trek together. Uh, I mean, of of Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars, the movie, yeah. And uh, other things. He lived down on on 23 East 16th Street. I'll never forget that because I used to hang around with him all the time. Later on, Buck Henry wrote some article in uh, The New Yorker claiming, quote, we all know how much Michael loved Lauren and Chevy. And boy, I was upset by that because I, I know how much I loved Michael and he liked me. So there you have it. But the fact of the matter is... Uh, Buck will get over it, and so will I, and that's the end of that. But Michael, uh, he gave me a as a Christmas present the first year of SNL uh, the Fistfuckers Manual. I never, <laughs> I never, I never heard of it or seen it. I never heard, didn't know people did that. They, they, of course, they were homosexual guys. They were, they were uh, gay guys, but. Uh, I didn't realize that that was a comfortable way of, uh, <laughs> of replacing a woman. I didn't know what the hell that was about. But that was what he gave me. So, I mean, he was just so goddamn funny all the time. But being so anal retentive, he had uh, in his little office, which we all had a little office up at SNL, um, he had a chalkboard. Uh, not a chalkboard. A uh, uh, what do you, where do you put like a pin, pins in it? Oh, yeah, a bulletin board. Uh, yeah, a board. Anyway, uh, and he would put ideas up there and they would be in uppercase, perfectly written by him uh, and, and, and just a line about an inch or so from the edge, just go straight down. And I would go in there when he wasn't around and move them about a half an inch to the right, still straight down, <laughs> yeah. uh, but just uh, enough so that when he walked in the room or sat and looked up, Something wasn't right, you know, until it got about two inches away, and then he knew the jig's up. Something's going on here. I didn't move. I didn't. I put him an inch away. That's the way it is. <laughs> so I loved playing little sort of tricks on Michael, and um, he was just a delight. Uh, you know, he could hate you with great love, and um, a genius, really, comedy uh, genius. Absolute, yeah, absolutely yeah. a genius. A great writer. I have some stuff of his that's prose writing. Uh, I have a letter from him to the Los Angeles Herald, uh, which uh, was a a response to a bad review of the first uh, Saturday Night Live, like second year or third year or fourth year, uh, which uh, had apparently included his name as a writer. Uh, and he he hadn't been writing for it for a couple of years. 
And I, I just can tell you that at the beginning of the letter, it began, listen, dickwad, instead of, you know, <laughs> dear sirs, <laughs> listen, dickwad. You made two mistakes. And you, da, 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 da. Uh, uh, I know somewhere down in the end of the letter, like your second mistake before you pulled the donkey uh, uh, prick out of your mouths or something. I don't know. It's just unbelievable. And then he uh, ended the letter with "Blow me, Michael O'Donoghue," and that was yeah. his letter to the Herald yeah. Examiner. Yeah. And it was just—it was just brilliant writing. And I have it; I have it framed, uh, and I'll—I I show it when I can. It's great. There's a copy of the screenplay you guys wrote together, the Planet of the Chief oh, Special Planet Effects. Oh, Planet of the Chief, of, uh, Chief Special Effects. <laughs> Does that exist? Um, there somewhere? is a copy. It's about 300 pages. <laughs> uh, we never quite finished. And I, I, I owed a couple of sketches or, or things to it because, in fact, it was gonna, we had a long uh, uh, previews of coming attractions in there. Blind Bikers was one of mine, that, and uh, <laughs> which you see. You know, it's a preview of uh, these – and these bikers are going – so it's like shot from a helicopter. So there's about 20 bikers on a highway that uh, – in the desert. That, and, the, and then the highway sort of veers to the right and they just keep going into the sand because they're blind. You know, it's just blind bikers coming to a theater near you. You know, just <laughs> shit like that. Just funny, funny, outrageous stuff. And yeah, but we just never really finished it and eh, – he was involved in so many intriguing projects that never that never saw the light. Of day. I, I, I mean, don't know. I, yeah. I guess he was. Yeah. I, I I don't know. That's, that's one of them. Yeah, he's the guy who came up with the "We'll shoot this dog if you don't buy this magazine." That that was for the National Lampoon. I mean, yes, yeah. nice dog classic, on the cover. Just, yeah, classic. We'll shoot this dog if you don't buy this magazine. <laughs> I was always fond of Mike Douglas sticking. Uh, oh yeah, twelve foot and uh, he uh, felt knitting that, needles that, in his that eyes. That was the guy. <laughs> right. Finally, came up with it, right. and, and we had talked about it. But he felt that that there's the guy. That's the guy you want to take twelve inch uh, knitting needles <laughs> right. and stick plummet them into his eyes. I think it might go something like this. Right. Like, like right. now he's, oh, yes. right. he's an impressionist. Right. Yeah, like Rich yeah. Little. Right. And then, so he then falls to the ground and screams like just exactly what you would expect. Just terrible, <laughs> awful screams banging around. And he, he cut his hands up. He cut his head up. Everything. I mean, he was really bleeding from this. But he got it as good as you can get it. Yeah. You he know, did variations, I think, too. I think it might go something like this. You know, he turns his back and then suddenly... Brilliant. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, he was brilliant. And one with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. He would recycle it yeah. with, with different people getting yeah. the yeah. needles. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, but first, a word from our sponsor. Now, I'm supposed to ask you... Yeah. Um, that you actually in the movie The Aristocrats, you they they came to you and you actually recorded an aristocrat. You telling the aristocrats. I, I don't know if I recorded that. Yeah. Uh, all I know is that nobody told it better than me. I told it in college. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I wasn't in it or was in it or anything else. All I know is I told that. I can still tell the aristocrats. But, you know, the, the whole point of the yeah. aristocrat joke is, A, it's got to be around five minutes. B, it's got to end with we call ourselves the aristocrats. And C, you can't repeat yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, so 
This guy goes up to a booking agent. He says, I got a great act for you. The booking agent says, oh, yeah, tell me about it. He says, well, it's a family act. Well, that's great. We love family acts. So uh, what's uh, what, what happening? Well, I come out on the stage and I take my clothes off and I come all over the audience. You know, <laughs> it just starts like, you know, just like that. And then you've got to just keep going as fast as you can. You know, I'm just jerking off. And my, my daughter comes out. She's nine years old. Right as a bunny. And she comes out and I fuck her in the ass. And it, it just gets so outrageously over the top, you know. And you've got to keep going, and you can't stop for five minutes, and you've got to do the most offensive stuff you can come up with. And But it's a family act, don't forget. Yeah. And then our dog, Tuffy, comes out, you know, whatever, you know, and, and also fucks my daughter in the ass. What, you know, it's just hideous. You know, and then my wife, oh, she's gorgeous. She comes out with our baby, and I blow the baby. <laughs> <laughs> who has this? It's just, it's just stuff, you know. I can't remember it. It's been so long, but it's just how offensive can you get with a joke? Yeah, and I, th- that's I, what it is. And you could tell a busload of nuns that joke, <laughs> and I swear to God, they'd be in hysterics. They'd be wetting their pants <laughs> if you do it well. Yeah, yeah. I told that joke at the U Hefner roast. Oh, you did? Yeah. When I had gotten in trouble yeah, yeah. making a September 11th joke. <laughs> Oh, I figured, uh, why not lose them all the way? Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of one thing that happened when, uh, oh, who oh, it was Mike Eisner? Remember the head of uh, oh yeah, Disney, all the studios, Disney, yeah. all. And there was a huge luncheon for Mike, uh, and th- there was also a, a, a dais where a certain like ten people would speak on his behalf. And the rest of the place was like thousands around tables. And it was a whole thing. And uh, Before I was to speak, Johnny Carson came out and, and spoke, got, got off his seat and came up and spoke. He did five minutes just clean without any writing with nothing. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this guy's he, I mean, when he wants to be funny, and I knew I, we, oh, yeah. we became great friends. Uh, but I mean, he just was very funny. And then I was called up, and I remember this clearly because it got Johnny off his seat. Uh, Eisner's just sitting right there next to the lectern that I'm speaking from, and uh, I, I go up and I said, "Well, I got shit," and uh, <laughs> there's a little sort of chuckling in the audience. And I turned to Michael Eisner and I go, can I piss in your mouth? I got Johnny so bad. I got, I got the whole fucking place. <laughs> can I piss in your mouth? That would be my speech, you know? Can I piss in your mouth? <laughs> That's my kind of place. Yeah. I'm out of stuff. You want to rap? Uh, yeah. You I'm, I'm, you I'm under arrest. <laughs> well, do you want to rap? Well, no. I, I know that I, I almost forgot one thing. Go for it, brother. Uh-oh. Because uh, he's starting foul play. Yes. Who's? Huh. You starting foul play. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I got to sing on every show. Oh, he, he memorizes theme songs from yes. movies. Well, see, this what? one this one is like was a hit. So it's not as... Oh, give me a break. What? Yeah. It was? What was it? Yeah. Uh, 
And I'm ready to take a, a chance, chance again. again. Ready to put my love on the line with you. Oh, boy. You're living a, with nothing to me, huh? show for oh, it. Do it. No more. You get what you get oh. when you go for oh. it. Oh, Jesus. And I'm ready to take you still know it. You fool. A chance again. Does it every week. Ready to take a chance again with you. We never found out what she was taking a chance again of. Yeah. Right. Her former lover or husband or that never came up. So we don't know what the hell that was about. But yeah. Next time we do, I want to ask you about George Roy Hill and uh, and Michael Ritchie and and some of the other. Uh, I'd love to tell, talk to you about with. George Roy Hill because I think he was an absolute genius and made the best movie I made, which was funny for yeah, him. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, he was wonderful. And, and and Michael Ritchie gave me the chance to just wing the Fletches. I mean, just wing it. You know, I just go. Okay, go. You're well, going from the there to a door. Of the you know? 70s. And and one thing we we had uh, on our show uh, the creator of this show and and i i liked what he said i mean you yeah i mean it was in the news there was trouble between you and dan Harmon with that show community yeah and and but that was not much much of anything really dan and i became friends immediately yeah but i i dan did say uh that like you were getting a lot of flack and dan said that he he was a bit of an asshole himself at that yeah, time. Yeah, And so he he defended you as far as... I suppose. I can't yeah. even remember what it was about, yeah. frankly. I just don't remember. Yeah. But uh, uh, there weren't any fisticuffs or anything. It was, oh, I, I don't remember good. exactly what it was about in retrospect. And so I guess now he can... So I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast... I'm here with my co-host Frank Santo Padre at Nutmeg Post, and we've been talking to someone who you're not, Chevy Chase. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. Did that come from Roger Grimsby, a local? Uh, was that a, a bit of a takeoff on a local anchor? The I'm Chevy. I Chevy guess Chevy. we're starting again then. No, it was just <laughs> the last. All right, well, those are the last to start was now. A coda. No, let's start. I'm ready. We got an hour. Well, that other thing was yeah, a warm-up. Actually, it did because Roger Grimsby uh, was a Channel 5 yeah, uh, news guy. Right, but right. he'd always say, I'm Roger Grimsby, and here now the news. That's right. First of all, and here now the news is one of the oddest. It's odd. But um, I said and and had nowhere to go. So I just said, and you're not. <laughs> I, I think I may have done it maybe twice the whole goddamn time. People remember that as... You know, as if, well, that's the way he opened it all the time. But that's just not true. I had many things, different things I did. But the fact is, I didn't know what else to say. So I'm Chevy Chase, and you're not. (laughs) I didn't know, you know. And and didn't you at one time, they would always do those things on the news where it would be you were on the phone. Yes, that's why I had a phone on my desk. I said to Lauren, I got to have a phone because nobody ever – on any news broadcast, with the exception of Walter Cronkite when Kennedy was killed, yeah. is on a phone. But it's always on a desk next to a, 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 yes. a, a you know. And uh, I have to have one, and I like to be on the phone when they say, and now weekend update. So I had the phone, and, you know, I'd pretend I was 
talking to some girlfriend or something, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I love it when you say, oh, hello, I'm Chevy Chase, yeah. and you're not, you know, whatever. I, but, I remember there was one line I remember you saying where you said, no, you're the one who pulls the pearls out. <laughs> It sounds to me like O'Donnell who gave me that. It probably was Michael. We, we asked him. We asked Alan's Wybell about that great joke when Professor Backwards was murdered. Then the, the, the neighbors oh. ignored the oh, cries. Yeah, of, plat, plat. Plat, plat. I mean, the, show, the update had so much bite then. Yeah. There was so much. Yeah. Uh, Amin is pulling out of plat, Angola. Plat. Another one. And uh, what? Edi Amin has announced he's pulling out of Angola. Oh you yeah, remember that one? I sort of do. Her, Herb Sargent. I do. I do remember uh, uh, having. Uh, we were right at the end of uh, 1975, going into 1976, when we started, and we were like doing our our uh, end, you know end of 1975 show, whatever. I said, well, 1976 is upon us today, but what about you know 1975, whatever. Let's take a look back, shall we? And I had on the thing, yeah, on the blue screen behind me, it just said 1975, you know, because this is going to be a story about what. Let's take a look back. And I just turned around and looked back at it briefly and then came back and didn't know the story. I got huge laughs for that. It was that simple kind of physical humor that I loved and that I still love because I, I'm not a jokester. I've never done stand up comic. Me, I've never uh, been in a Second City type thing or any of that. But I come from a funny background. I'm a funny dad and uh, whatnot. And, and, and I love physical comedy. I mean, Chaplin and uh, Keaton and those guys. But on and on, you know. Uh, so that was... Oh, I almost forgot to ask you about Milton Berle when he hosted the well, show. Well, I don't think Chevy. Oh, I think, was it Milton? I, I well, think, you weren't on it. I think Chevy was gone. By oh, no, I was in the hospital. Season two. Oh, <laughs> no, but you mean Desi Arnaz? Oh, Desi Arnaz. <laughs> Desi Arnaz was on. Yeah, uh, and um, anyway, you know, he was doing Babalu with our band. Oh yeah, you know, and they were rehearsing. It was like on a Thursday in the afternoon, and I just happened to be sitting in the in eight H watching this rehearsal, and he would get angry. At the at the band. No, no, no. That's not right. No, 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 no. That's not where we do. No, no, you do it. Come in the sec. Next time when you, you know. And he's yelling at Howard Shore, one of the sweetest men in the world. Who, you know, he's screaming and yelling. And I got up from my seat finally and I went over. And I took him by the upper arm. But a little tight, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might hurt. And took him aside. I said, excuse me, Desi. And took him aside. You know, like this. Really? <laughs> we don't talk to the band that way. Uh, we don't? No? No, we, we don't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was nice of them after that. <laughs> we'll ask you about Milty next time. And and now I'll... This is the show that's going to have two endings. Okay, okay I'm it's sorry. Anyway, two, uh, it's already a two-parter. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, Can I'm I Gilbert... put my clothes back on? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This has once again been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre here at Nutmeg Post.
Thank you, Frank Verderosa. And here with our our friend and great comic actor. Why, thanks for uh, having me. Chevy Let Chase. Let me tell you about the... <laughs> You'll never get out of this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chevy. When she left me in all my despair, I just held on. My thoughts were all gone <laughs> till I found you there. Ready and to take I'm a ready to take a oh, so chance sad. So again. Sad. <laughs> Okay, I'll see, be back we tomorrow got night. To see good to it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> you dork. <laughs>